0: Our first uh, message this afternoon is a split sermon from Mr. Mark McGarvey. It is entitled, By the Grace of God. Mark? Good afternoon. I'd like to welcome the guests we have today. Come to visit us. Appreciate that. Say hi. It's a good time of year right now, as uh, Matt will appreciate. The World Cup is going on right now. We've got a feast of football going on, or or soccer. A month of it. Awesome. I stand here by the grace of God. When I look back 20 years ago... At how I lived my life, um, how I was living my life, it wasn't good. And going back with with the church history in the sense of 1994, um, I was going to Worldwide Church of God with my family, and as some of you may know, the, the the changes happened in 1994, and for a lot of young people at that time, it was confusing. Um, those who grew up in the church were confused by all the changes in the sense of, we've done all these things for so many years and now you're changing it and it doesn't really matter anymore. I was was 20 at the time and things like the Sabbath wasn't important, Holy Days weren't important anymore, uh, clean and unclean foods. It really threw a spanner in the works of of everything that we'd known. But um, you know, 20 years ago I had an, an incident 20 years ago that could have gone a couple of different ways than it actually did. And this was in the middle of a, I want to say like an 18-month period between early 1998 and, um, and reconnected with my wife, Darla, in 1999. It was crazy times. But um, I call this the, the skill saw incident, circular saw accident. So September the 1st, 1998... I was working on a, oh by the way, a little history on this. I, I was a carpenter for 11 years, uh, seven years in, in Britain, and four years over here before I got my, my CDL and became a truck driver. Um, and most of my work in Britain was formwork, carpentry working with concrete. Um, I did do some trim work and some framing. Well, this one, um, this one uh, summer and early fall, I was working with my dad, on a nice big two-story mansion down in in London, just off Kensington High Street. And Kensington is a really rich area, famous for the Kensington Palace, where uh, Princess Diana lived for a while. I think currently uh, uh, Prince William and his wife are living there. And nice big two-story mansion worth millions. And I believe it was was being built for a European uh, musician of some kind. I don't think it was Yanni, but it could have been. I'm not sure. Anyway, the um, the guy, the foreman, the, the contractor who was running it was a, a nice guy from uh, Trinidad and Tobago, Clinton Montague. And there was only about four or five of us on the job. Myself and my dad were the carpenters, and uh, we were working on the roof, three stories up. And my dad, who at this point had, had Almost 40 years of carpentry experience, new, new roofs inside out. And it was a nice cut roof. It wasn't trusses. And the, the advantage of having a cut roof is you have lots of space when the roof is done up in the attic for more rooms or storage or whatever. Whereas with trusses, you have wood everywhere and there's not much room for anything. Anyway, um, <coughs> I was out on the scaffolding cutting the two-by-fours my dad with a circular saw. Skill saw a big, big industrial one, you know, about, about yay big, big powerful, strong thing, um, heavy. But the um, the guard was jamming on the blade, and we knew this. We were, we were using it using anyway and carrying on. Well, this one incident, I wasn't thinking for a moment, and I bent down to cut two by four. What I was doing, I was cutting the two by fours, then handing them out to my dad, and he'd nail them and put them in. Well, I was wearing baggy jeans. And, which didn't help in this incident, and I went and cut the two by four, bent down to cut it, and as I raised, raised up the saw, it caught my bag of jeans and ran into my leg, and it happened that quick. So as I bent down, and came back up, the blade caught my, my jeans and ran in, and it happened that quick. I mean, I knew it was bad. <coughs> I put the saw down. I didn't want to look, but I had to. I had a big hole in my jeans, and I, it was, it's crazy when something like that happens, you don't feel much pain. It, I guess the body goes into shock and takes care of it. But I bent down, and had a look, and like I see my leg bone, it, it tore it up. It was, it was savage, it was bad. <coughs> Lucky I didn't faint right there and fall off the side of the building. Um, so here I am now on the roof, 20 feet up. My dad's over there, I'm over here. My leg is bleeding everywhere. And the only way down is to hobble down this 20 foot ladder one leg, that took a minute, um, and luckily the, the lead contractor, um, he knew first aid, and he had stuff in, in, his, uh, in the hut, so we went in there and he cleaned me up, and tidied me up, and my dad was going to drive me to the hospital, and <laughs> it's a crazy thing, my dad, uh, I guess my older sister had been born at this nearest hospital 32 years before. And he says, ah, I know the way. I remember going there for your sister. Well, it'd been 30-odd years. He forgot how to get there. So here we are. I'm, I'm in the back of his van. He's driving. And he makes several wrong turns. We eventually get there. And we, go in, we go into the emergency room. And there I am with my leg up on the chair. And it's bandaged, but the blood is soaked through the bandage. And So it wasn't too busy, luckily. I guess it was around about lunchtime and they, they got me seen to pretty quick. Um, and so I needed um, a bunch of internal stitches to bring the fat together, and then just nine stitches on top. But it's like a, it's a big five inch, six inch. Uh, I'm surprised there's only nine. It should have been 15 or so. That's British healthcare for you. Huh? Anyway, and those nine stitches on top brought the skin together. The doctor uh, who cleaned me up and stitched me up, he said the saw made a wider cut as it slashed through uh, my leg, as opposed to a knife which would make a nice cleaner cut. Um, But I was close in the sense of about an eighth of an inch, a couple of millimeters to one way, it would have caught my kneecap, smashed up the bone. That could have been real bad. I don't know if I would have needed some kind of kneecap replacement or, or something. I mean, it would have been serious, a lot worse. Luckily, that didn't happen. I mean, it was that close, eighth an inch tops. Um, eighth an inch, quarter an inch, the other way, could have hit an artery. I could have bled to death. You know, um, there's a lot of blood, any, blood anyway, but hit an artery, it's going to be spurting everywhere. Um, that has happened before. When people have cut arteries, they've bled to death. So it could have gone a couple of different ways, but by the grace of God, maybe he was guiding it just to do that much damage as opposed to the worst one. Um, I couldn't work for three weeks after the incident, so I had a lot of time to reflect on my mistake. If only this had happened, if only I'd done that, you know, as you always do. But I had three weeks, and I guess my, my younger brother, uh, Dan, who was also a carpenter, took over and helped my dad out on the time I was gone. <clears throat> and even when I came back, I was definitely walking and climbing ladders a lot gingerly, so I didn't want that leg to open up again. But, um, you know, you can look at the God jamming as God taking his protective hand off me for a moment. When one is sinning and not leading a good life, when someone knows what they're doing is wrong but does it anyway, bad things could happen. I learned my lesson the hard way. I'm permanently scarred, but I'll never mess with a circular saw again. And that's the thing about power tools, whether it be circular saws and big table saws, drills. Very handy. Cut the time of an ins- a job you know, tenfold in some cases, but very dangerous. So, but by the grace of God, I made it through that incident in 1998 and started making some changes in my life and reconnected with my wife in the summer of 1999. And by the way, a little backstory on that. We met at SCP Summer Camp 1996 in Scotland, beautiful Bonnie, Scotland, and uh, kept in touch for three years, the old-fashioned way, by writing letters. Now, this email business, or cell phones, which weren't, yeah, and phone calls, the odd phone call now and then, that's true. And uh, what happened was, that was July, August 1996 when we first met. And fall of 1998, she was thinking about coming over to Britain to visit and see the sites and stuff. And that fell through. So I told her I was working um, on a good job, earning you know $1,000 a week down there in the London area in carpentry, and I said, if you can't make it over here, I'll come visit you. And that's what happened in the end. So, But um, there were other situations and incidents in my life where God has shown his hand, where he has clearly steered me in the right direction. Lose one job to get a better one. Um, change career paths completely and making it work. I've seen his hand in lots of things, in that sense of things, in the sense of work and other things. God's grace has been given to all of us here, though. You know, we're not milling around some shopping mall somewhere or, you know, gone to a a ball game, blissfully unaware that (coughs) today is the Lord's Sabbath and we're here to worship and praise him and hear his word. God is good. He loves us and has called us. And he wants us to be a part of his family. That free gift of grace. Whether it was given to us 60 years ago. 20 years ago. Or last week. That is the reason we're here today. Or watching online. For those who are watching online. We are here by the grace of God. So I want to turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians. Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 9. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works. Lest anyone should boast. Very wise words from Paul here. And I've got a a, a reference here in my study Bible on verses 8 and 9. God desires to demonstrate his kindness throughout eternity through Christ Jesus, his son. This has nothing to do with our own merit. It is only because he is merciful and kind that he reaches out to save us. Unquote. Very true. We don't have to work at being saved. Just like forgiveness isn't earned. Christ Jesus is the one who did the work for us 2,000 years ago. He came down from his heavenly position alongside the Father, lived his life for 30-something years as a man, uh, lived a sinless life, and then at the end was beaten and whipped and then nailed to a cross or a tree. His blood was poured out for us, and we are saved by his sacrifice. There's another scripture here. This is a second Timothy chapter one and verse nine. Second Timothy chapter one and verse nine, just one verse. I'll read the, the sentence before that, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. Verse nine, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began god decides who and when he calls and he knows and has known it since the beginning of time just like christ knew he was going to have to sacrifice himself from the foundations of the world these he knew us before time began these are all part of his eternal plan that plan is still in motion today. And we've got a ways to go until that plan is completed. But what a wonderful time we be living in. As God sees his plan through. There's much. Much more to occur. Before Christ's return. But we're blessed to be called and to be here. And to be living in. We are a part of God's wonderful plan. And we can be reassured by that and thank God in prayer for him calling us. Changing tone here slightly. Did you know that Jesus never actually said the word grace in all his recorded teachings? And I say recorded teachings because as, as John said, if all the works that Jesus did and all his sayings were, were done, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to, to hold them all. But from what is recorded, from what Jesus said, he never actually said the word grace, but he didn't have to. And you know, some people say, well, I've read, well, why did he never talk about grace? He didn't have to. Jesus personified grace. He exuded grace. He emanated, it It just emanated from him. Just like he emanated love, mercy, truth, compassion, patience, and on and on, and all the good fruits. He didn't have to talk about it when he would be an example to his followers at the time. And us now. Of how gracious and forgiving he was. Like the paralytic man that Jesus healed. Just one verse. I'm going to go over there real quick. Many, many stories that Jesus healing people. This one story is interesting. Just a couple of verses here. In Matthew... Chapter 9, verse 2. Jesus had been across the the lake, I guess, Lake Sea of Galilee, I'm guessing. And he gets in a boat and goes back over to the other side. And Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic man lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you of course, the scribes and the Pharisees did it. Oh, what are you doing? Your sins are forgiven you. What are you talking about? You can't do that. Only God can forgive. Well, he knew where they were coming from, and he scolded them for it. I'm, I'm guessing by the, the language here, Jesus referring to him as son. Maybe the, the guy was a younger guy. You can assume, maybe. But he didn't tell them, sorry, not today. Can't help you. No. And Jesus never would do that anyway. That's, that wasn't him do it for a joke but no not really he saw their faith both the paralyzed man and those who were carrying him he showed grace and favor and healed the man and that's just one incident of the many many dozens and hundreds of cases of Jesus healing people raising them back to life and so on and so forth he didn't care who they were rich or poor young or old Man or woman. Jesus had compassion on them. An example to us all. Go over to the book of Romans here. Chapter chapter 5 verses 20 and 21. Romans 5 verses 20 and 21. Verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Verse 21. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And again, I've got an interesting little quote here from my study Bible on these verses. Grace abounded much more. The Greek term Paul uses means superabounded. The Greek word he uses for abounded is translated superabounded. Not only can sin never exceed the grace provided by God, sin loses its threat when compared to the superabounding grace of God. End quote. We can take comfort, hopefully. Whatever sin we may have committed, however bad it was, God's grace is greater than it. It's right there, as Paul told the the Romans. God's grace wipes the slate clean. You look at King David. I mean, look at look at what he did with. Um, in adultery with Bathsheba and later on would then have Bathsheba's husband killed him, made sure he was in the front line and was killed in battle um, but he repented prayed to God wrote psalms of repentance and, and just completely changed his ways, realized what he did pleaded to God for God's mercy And what does God say about David after that? He is a man after my own heart. Wow. He really changed his life around after what he did. Really changed his life around. And he will be made king of Israel once again after Christ's return. God's grace and favor was shown to David. And on that subject of I mean, there's so many stories in the Bible throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. I've got a quote here from, while well, I was studying my, my message here from online source here. Quote, The Bible is packed with examples of humans who sin and a God who forgives. Humans who run and a God who pursues. Humans who don't deserve grace and a God who gives it anyway. End quote. And that was uh, written by Sarah Kuntz on the Living by Design website. Nice little quote. God gives it anyway, no matter what we've done. Because as humans, we are weak. We give in to our our ways sometimes. We go to the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. And chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 9 and 10. Verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle. This is Paul talking again. Because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly. Then they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Paul feels like the least of the apostles because of his history of persecuting the church. But God showed Paul grace. And Paul says it was not in vain. The grace that God showed him. He traveled further than all the other apostles did. He established more churches than they did. And wrote more books in our modern Bible than they did. The grace of God was with him. None of it would have happened without the grace of God. So, by God's great grace, we are here today. He has favored us all. He plucked us out from the world and our previous life. His grace allowed us to bury the old man, as it were, and be born again. In Christ. By God's awesome and amazing grace. We can look forward to spending eternity with him. By the way. If any of you are. Working with a circular saw anytime soon. Be careful. Okay. Be careful.